Well, thank you, Brother Ron, and good morning. It's great to see each and every one of you here uh, to worship the Lord on this very first day of the week. And uh, this is a very important week for our church. We'll be saying a little bit more about, about this at the end of the service. Uh, but tomorrow we begin our annual Smite campaign, and uh, we're excited about all of that and looking forward to the, what the Lord is going to do over the next several days as folks come uh, together, really, for the purpose of evangelism, uh, sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we desperately need your prayers, and I know many of you are praying and will pray for us, and uh, we certainly covet that. If you'll take your Bibles this morning and join me in the 25th chapter of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number 25 is where we'll find our text this morning, the 25th chapter in the book of Genesis. And we have been, since the beginning uh, of this year, studying the life of Abraham together uh, on Sunday mornings. And of course, Abraham is that great uh, father of faith. The Bible says that those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, those of us who have entered into eternal life, that Certainly we're God's children, we're uh, children of our Father which is in heaven, but the Bible also says that we're children of Abraham. He was the first one really to exemplify this life of faith for us. And so we're looking here in the 25th chapter of the book of Genesis. Would you look with me if you would in verse number 1 where the Bible says, Then again Abraham took a wife and her name was Keturah and she bare him Zimran and Jokshan and Medan and Midian and Ishbak and Shua and Jokshan beget Sheba and Dedan. And the sons of Dedan were Ashuram and Latushim and Leumim. And the sons of Midian, Ephah and Ephur and Hanak and Abida and Eldea. All these were the children of Keturah. Some of you asking me, how did you learn to pronounce those names? I'm just winging it like everybody else, right? We're doing the best that we can. Uh, I'm guessing that I'm probably not getting them right either. But uh, again, I read them as I see them. The Bible says in verse number 5, And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. But unto the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life which he lived. And hundred threescore and fifteen years. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, which is before Mamre, the field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heth. There was Abraham buried and Sarah his wife. The title of the message this morning is The Final Chapter. The Final Chapter. Sarah Winchester's husband had acquired a great amount of wealth and fortune by manufacturing and selling rifles. After he died of influenza, influenza in the year 1918, Sarah moved to San Jose, California. Because of her grief and also coupled together with her longtime interest in spiritism, Sarah sought out a medium once she arrived in California for the purpose of contacting her dead husband. The medium or the psychic told her, as long as you keep building your home, you will never face death. Sarah took the words to heart. She believed the spiritist, and so she bought an unfinished 17-room mansion and started to expand it. The project continued until she died at the age of 85. 
It cost her $5 million at a time when workmen earned 50 cents a day. The mansion, by the time she died, had 150 rooms. It had 13 bathrooms, 2,000 doors, 47 fireplaces, and 10,000 windows. And Mrs. Winchester left enough materials so that they could have continued building for another, 20, for another 80 years. Today, that house stands as more than a tourist attraction. It is a silent witness to the dread of death that holds millions of people in bondage. The 25th chapter of Genesis records the final years and days of Abraham's life. Abraham was a great man, one of the greatest men in all the Bible. He lived to be a good old age. The Bible tells us he died at the age of 175. But as with all people, so it was with him, death would eventually visit him and claim his life. As it will with every individual in this room this morning. You know, there's a tendency as humans to make assumptions about things. Uh, For instance... Those of you who are my age and younger, you operate, we operate under the assumption that there are many more chapters to be written in the story of our lives. In other words, if you're in your mid-40s and down, maybe even north of that, even a little ways, you assume, you assume I have plenty of time left. You may not know exactly what chapter you're on, but you would assume that you're in one of the middle chapters of your life. That as the book is going to be written, you're certainly not at the very beginning. You understand that and acknowledge that. But you also assume and think, well, I'm not anywhere near the end. I have a long, long way to go. And that may be true for many of you here today. Most assume that they will live to be a good old age, and most will. But but, But you understand as well as I do that we never know when the last chapter of our lives is being written. Some here today may be writing your final chapter and may not even know it. Hopefully none of us ever experienced what one man did when he was called to see his doctor with a very urgent and important update to share regarding some recent tests that he had undergone. The doctor said, I've received the results of your test, sir, and I have some bad news and good news. The patient was quiet for a moment, sensing the severity of the announcement and the urgency of the hour. So he did what probably most of you do. He said, let me have the good news first, Doc. The doctor took a deep breath. He paused and he said, you only have 24 hours to live. My goodness, shouted the patient, if that's the bad news, what, what could the, if that's the good news, what could the bad news possibly be? To which the doctor replied, I was supposed to tell you yesterday. (laughs) Are you aware that your life is a story that is being co-authored by two individuals. It's being co-authored by God and by you. God is writing a significant portion of your story through His sovereign wisdom and leading, but but your choices and your decisions make, make up a great part of the narrative of this story as well. I want us to think about how this played out in the life of Abraham for just a moment. In Genesis 12, God came to him at the very beginning of the story that that we're told of, of Abraham's life. God came to him and instructed him to leave his country and kindred to follow him to a land that he would show him. And so God is saying, I am writing this, Abraham, into the story of your life. Now, Abraham, what will you do? 
Will you follow and obey or will you ignore me? Will you disobey me? And of course, we know the story. God had, God had written that as a, a part of his plan for Abraham's life. But God always leaves the choice of obedience up to us. Abraham's decision to obey God and follow God's plan for his life favored, or factored very favorably, resulting in God's abundant blessing being upon Abraham. Many people think that they can write a, a beautiful final chapter of their life someday. All of us, we, we have thoughts and ideas of what that's going to be like and, and, and how, we would, how we would prefer things to be when it's time for us to say goodbye, when it's time for us to conclude the writing of our life. But can I tell you that the final chapter is only beautifully written as we carefully follow what God has written for us in the other chapters. In other words, for your final chapter to be as beautiful and as marvelous and wonderful as Abraham's final chapter is here and as others have been, then it is essential, it is vital that you allow God to pick up the writing instrument of your story and to begin to write things and that you follow what he has written for you to do. That's the only way that you can have a beautiful and wonderful final chapter for your life. The Apostle Paul knew that the final chapter of his life was being written and he embraced it. Why? Because he had, he had pursued God's calling for him over the course of many years. He put it this way. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, to he says, For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In other words, why am I now ready to be offered? Because I've done these things. Because I've followed God, because I've pursued His will for my life, and because I've done those things, I am ready to go. The final chapter for Paul was not a bitter one. It was a beautiful one, even though the circumstances surrounding it were difficult. Don't be so quick as many are to try to, to wrestle that writing instrument away from God, who is more than capable of writing blessings into your life as you follow him obediently and carefully. Why is Abraham's story so known and so blessed? It's because Abraham followed God closely by faith and God blessed him for his faithfulness. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse number eight, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, notice the next word, obeyed. That's the difference. That's what makes Abraham blessed. That's what makes his final chapter so beautiful and so wonderful because he obeyed God. What has God written into the script of your life here this morning that still needs to be obeyed and followed? It's a great question, isn't it? Is there something that God, that God has instructed you to do, that God has told you to do, that you have not yet done? that you have delayed in, we sometimes justify or rationalize or make excuses for those things, but I want to remind you that's disobedience. And if you want the final chapter of your life to be written beautifully and wonderfully, where there's no regrets and where, uh, where you can look back over your life and say, as Paul did, I am now ready, then it's time. It's time to do everything that we know that God would have us to do. 
Because there is no beautiful final chapter without faithful obedience through the other chapters of our life. As we consider the life of Abraham, we understand that Abraham still had definite flaws that are easily discovered. We studied the 13 chapters surrounding his life. We discover things that he did that weren't right. And, but we also discover a very, uh, a very sincere desire to repent and to be made right with God and to get right on the back, back, back on the right track as quickly as possible. We discover that though there were definite flaws, Abraham never stopped believing God. He never stopped following God. He never stopped obeying God. The final chapter of Abraham's life Here in these 10 verses of Genesis 25, they inspire us with hope and they encourage us that we too can finish strong for the glory of God. I remember being told as a young man that folks never remember how you start. They only remember how you finish. So many people that all of us can think of got out, started, got started on the right track and seemed to be doing great things and seemed to be going great places. And yet something along the way tripped them up. Something distracted them. Something maybe pulled them out of the race. And as a result, their final chapter is not what it should have been. How can we avoid that? What can we expect as we follow the Lord even in the final chapters? I want you to notice three things with me from this text. Notice number one, I discover as I study this passage of Scripture that Abraham was fruitful in his final chapter. Abraham was fruitful in his final chapter. Of course, verses 1 through 4 chronicle Abraham remarrying a woman by the name of Keturah. Her name means incense or fragrance. And it would seem as if if she filled a vital role at the end of Abraham's life. The Bible tells us that the relationship between Abraham and Keturah allowed them to bear six sons together. In previous chapters, we have discovered the death of Sarah and the marriage of Isaac to Rebekah. And now Abraham is all alone. Perhaps for more than a hundred years, he and Sarah were married to one another. And of course, we understand the, the great void, the great gap that is often left, the loneliness that covers someone who is a widow or a widower. And as a result, Abraham of Sarah's death, Abraham now finds himself in the unenviable position of being a widower. Some would assume that Abraham, having lost his wife at the age of 137, many would assume that Abraham would just, well, he would just spend the rest of his days alone. But the Bible reveals to us that perhaps maybe as he watched Isaac Isaac marry Rebecca, that he thought to himself, you know, I need someone in my life. I need someone uh, to be a companion, to be someone to come alongside of me. And so he enters into this relationship with this woman by the name of Keturah. And And as I read this passage of Scripture, I was struck by this incredible thought. And here it is. Abraham bore more fruit in the final chapter of his life that he had in the previous chapters of his life combined. Now think about that for a moment. Abraham was 137 years old when Sarah died. He was 140 when Isaac married his wife, Rebekah. And it would seem that his marriage to Keturah took place after Isaac had married Rebekah. So for the first 140 years of his life, he had two sons. 
And yet, in the final 35 years of his life, God gives him six sons whose names are recorded for us here. Now, some have questioned the marriage uh, of, uh, of Abraham to Keturah and the products of this marriage. One of the sons, maybe the name jumped off the page at you, the son's name is Midian. Many of us are familiar with that name. Midian would go on to be the father of a group of people known as the Midianites. And of course, the Midianites would be a thorn in the nation of Israel's side for years to come. But I don't find the Bible ever denouncing what Abraham did here. Now certainly, Sarah would always be the, uh, the, the, the special spouse, the special bride. Uh, it was to her that the promises were made. She accompanied Abraham in following God throughout life. But, but we discover here that God never denounces this marriage. God never criticizes Abraham for what he does here. Can I say that a man will benefit tremendously when he has something to live for? As an old man, Abraham remarries and he's blessed with the opportunity to live for the purpose of raising six more sons. Eventually, he would be blessed with grandsons and great-grandsons too as a result of this relationship. Now the question is this, what are you doing? In whatever chapter you are living in right now to bear fruit with your life. You know, you were made to bear fruit. As a believer, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you've been born again, God expects you to bear fruit with your life. Listen to what the Bible says in the uh, the book of John, chapter number 15 and verse number 8. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and verse number 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. You say, well, fruit-bearing for Abraham was having children, and I'm certainly beyond that stage and that phase of my life. But understand, what did God create you to do? The Bible says that God has created you uh, to bear good, good works with your life, uh, that he has created you for his, this purpose, that you are his workmanship, that he has ordained you unto good works. That's the fruit that you can bear with your life. Fruit bearing can manifest itself in many ways. The fruit of the Spirit is an area where our lives can continue to bear fruit no matter what age we may find ourselves. Some of you, you're here this morning and say, you know, I am of this age and because of what has transpired in my life or because of the physical condition that I am in, I am, I am no longer able uh, to do certain things that I once did and we understand that. And God, more importantly, God understands that. I want you to know something. There's never, there's never an excuse for you to quit growing spiritually. You may, you may not be able to do all that you once did. Your body may that not allow that. Uh, your, uh, your, your physical condition may not uh, provide for that. But there is no excuse for someone to tolerate an attitude or a spirit of unholiness in their life. There's no excuse for someone to tolerate a a, a spirit of bitterness in their life or of anger, of hostility, or of corrupt communication in their lives. No, no, we are always to be bearing fruit in these various areas. One can bear fruit as they win lost souls to Christ, as they influence and impact others in a positive way, and as they live holy and blameless lives. Listen, you and I, all of us are headed for trouble. We're headed for trouble when we cease to bear fruit in our spiritual journey. The Bible says in Psalm 92, 
Verses 12 through 15, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. It doesn't say the young righteous, the youthful righteous. No, it just says the righteous. That's anybody who knows the Lord, regardless of what age and regardless of what stage, you ought to still flourish like a palm tree. You ought to still grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. I love, I love a church because in a church you have a cross-section really of everybody. As I stand before you here, there are some, there are some in this room And you know it, you acknowledge it, that you are writing the final chapter of your life. Perhaps God has revealed that to you in some way. Maybe the doctor has revealed that to you in some way. What are you going to do during this final chapter? You're just going to sit back and just wait for the death angel to arrive? Lots of people do that. But you ought not to. Secondly, Abraham was faithful in his final chapter. Would you look with me in verses 5 and 6 of Genesis 25? And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. But unto the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. I believe there are two specific ways that are found in these two verses in which Abraham was faithful. Number one, Abraham was faithful to remember God's promises. He was faithful to remember God's promises. We discover that in verse number five where the Bible says, and Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. You know, when it came time for Abraham to divvy up his estate, he, he gave all that he had to his son Isaac. Now, this is significant. We might read this and we might think, well, this seems a little unfair. This doesn't seem right. This wouldn't be something that I would advise to a, to a dad or to a mom who is preparing to go, who's writing their final chapter, that they choose one child specifically and that they give everything to them. That would not be the advice that we would give. And yet it's significant because it reveals Abraham's faithfulness to remember the word of God and the promises that had been made by God to him. Though Abraham had seven other sons in addition to Isaac, with two other wives in addition to Sarah, Isaac was the son of the promise that had been made by God to Abraham and Sarah. Isaac was Abraham's lone heir according to God's decree, and he was the son of God's everlasting covenant, and Abraham never forgot that. That's what the Bible says in Genesis 17 and verse number 19, and God said, Sarah thy wife, God speaking to Abraham, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. God is saying to Abraham, there's something special about this boy. He's not like your other boys. There's something special about them, no doubt. But this boy's different. This boy is the son of the promise that Abraham and Sarah waited upon for 25 years. This was the son of their old age. This was the son that was going to carry on their spiritual heritage and their spiritual legacy. The Bible says in Genesis 21 and verse number 12, And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, speaking of his 
eldest son Ishmael, and because of the bondwoman, in all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac, in Isaac, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. By giving it all to Isaac, Abraham was acknowledging, he was acknowledging God's promises and God's covenant that rested upon Isaac and none other. Though Ishmael and the others would become the fathers of nations as well, the nation that would spring from Isaac, his son, his son and, and Jacob, his grandson, would, would possess God's promised blessing and the land that God had sworn to give him, which was why it was so significant that Abraham, in the next verse, sends the other sons away from Isaac. Though Abraham was old, and though Abraham loved all of his children, he never forgot the significance of Isaac, and that's clearly displayed here. You know, often as a man ages, he tends to forget things from his past. Sometimes this is involuntary, it can't be helped, but sometimes a man chooses to forget some things. How many men have chosen to drift away from God and drift away from His Word and drift away from faithfulness as the years go by? And they fail to remember the Lord in their final chapter. You know, as you live each day, don't, don't forget God. Don't forget His Word don't forget His promises. Don't forget where His blessings lie. Invest in those things. Give yourself to those things. You know, some practice faithfulness to God at various chapters in their lives, but they go through periods of wandering. I want to be like Abraham. I want to be like Abraham, who remembered God's promises and kept God's commandments all the way until the final chapter of his life. He remembered God's promises, faithful to remember God's promises. But secondly, faithful, he was faithful to show kindness. Would you look in verse number six? But unto the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts. Faithful to show kindness. Though Ishmael and the others, they weren't the promised seed of the everlasting covenant, they were still Abraham's offspring. And as a result, they were still worthy of his care and his provision. You know, later in the scriptures, God would tell us that the man who doesn't care for his family is worse than an infidel. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5 and verse number 8, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith, and he is worse than an infidel. You know, at a previous point in his life, Abraham had sent Ishmael away empty-handed. We read of that in Genesis 21. But I notice that here in the final chapter, he's careful to write that wrong. He gives the sons of his concubines, he gives them gifts. We don't know exactly what these gifts were, but we assume that they were significant. Significant enough to at least appease these children who would never be gifted or blessed as Isaac was. But they still did receive some level of their father's love and kindness. And I just want to pause here for a moment and just note that Abraham was man enough. He was man enough to do all of this while he was living. Would you look in verse number six? But under the, but under the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac, his son, while he yet lived. You know, this was um, probably a difficult thing for Abraham to do. No doubt there perhaps were some difficult conversations here. Dad, why, why is Isaac getting all of this? 
Dad, why are you asking us to move to another place? It might have been easier for Abraham to to say, you know, I, I think I'll let Isaac take care of all of this. I'll write this into my will, but I'll let him handle it as many people do. We've all heard the stories. Someone passes and it's time to read the will. And war, World War III explodes among children and grandchildren and maybe even great-grandchildren. How much better would it have been for that person while they yet lived, as Abraham did, to explain here's what I'm doing and here's why I'm doing it? Perhaps, perhaps maybe even having these conversations opened up opportunities for Abraham to have spiritual conversations with his other children. Maybe, maybe allowing him to communicate the importance of his faith in his life. I think that it's significant. I think it should be noted because God notes it that Abraham did this while he yet lived, though it may have been a very, very difficult thing for him to do. Some people as they age, you know this, I don't know why it is, but some people as they age, they grow more and more cantankerous and hard to get along with. Have you ever noticed that? I, I, I love older folks. I do. But sometimes they try my patience. Sometimes. Not, not all the time, but sometimes. Sometimes they think, they think that they've arrived at an age where they can say anything no matter how much it might hurt someone else. You know that, don't you? Their attitude is, well, I've lived long enough. I've been around here. I change your diaper, son. I can say whatever I want. You're laughing because you know it's true. But it ought not to be true. It ought not to be. Listen, kindness, listen, kindness is appropriate at any age and any stage. Be kind. I, I, listen, I, I get it. I, sometimes, sometimes that attitude flows from just just the challenges and the difficulties that one has lived through. Perhaps maybe it flows from a, from a body that aches. I, I, I'm not, I may not be there yet, and, and I don't, I don't want to predict where I'm going to be. I hope, I hope that even at an old age I can still show kindness, I can still enjoy life and love life. And by the way, not everyone's like this, but there are some. But kindness, kindness is essential. It's important at any age and at any stage. And Abraham, though he was... Well up in years, though perhaps his body ached, though perhaps his heart hurt that Sarah was, had been with the Lord now for many years, uh, perhaps there were some other difficulties that he dealt with. Abraham was faithful to show kindness even in the final chapter of his life. I want you to notice the final thing, and we'll be done this morning. Number three, Abraham was full in his final chapter. Not, a, not only was he still fruitful in his final chapter and he was faithful, but he was full in his final chapter. The Bible says in verse number eight that Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man, notice, and full of years. You may want to highlight or underline that word full. It means something significant. We'll touch on it in just a moment. You know, so many people die empty, don't they? They've wasted everything they ever had. They've burned all their bridges and they're filled with regret. I love the way Warren Wearsby put it. Warren Wearsby, of course, a well-known Christian author. He said this. He said, how few people really experience joy and satisfaction when they reach old age. When they look back, for many, it is with regret. When they look ahead, for many, it is with fear. And when they look around, for many, it is with complaint. 
Abraham's death teaches us that it doesn't have to be this way. I want to ask the question as we conclude this morning, in what ways was Abraham full, even in his final chapter? Number one, the Bible tells us that he was full of years, in verse number eight, full of years. He was old and full of years. Much of life is spent looking forward to the next big thing, right? One of the hardest things about the death of the young, when someone dies young, is the thought that we must process, and that is this, that they won't get to experience this thing or that thing. For instance, when someone dies young, their children are still in the home, we lament the idea that they'll never get to see their children graduate from high school or go off to college. And that daddy will never get to walk his beautiful daughter down the aisle and give her away to her husband. They'll never get to experience the joy of grandchildren and maybe even great-grandchildren. Those are the things that we lament. There's an element in which we feel like something is missing. They did not get to live a life that was full of years or full of age. There's sorrow there. Abraham had lived long enough to enjoy everything there was to enjoy in life. He had enjoyed financial prosperity. He had enjoyed respect among his peers. He had enjoyed marriage on three separate occasions. He had enjoyed the birth of his children and grandchildren. And he was now at a point where the next big thing in his life was eternity. You know, there's a fine line between not long enough and too long of a life. When when that word there says full of age, here's what that word full means. It means satisfied. Satisfied. In other words, in the Hebrew, that's literally what it means. It means that there was really nothing left for Abraham to live for. Several years ago, oh man, probably going back 18 or so years ago, I was driving down Tiedemann Road with my grandfather. My grandfather, of course, many of you know, has been with the Lord now for 11 years. I can almost take you to the exact spot where we were driving when I asked him this question. Of course, he was an older man. And of course, he understood, we all understood that he was writing the final chapters of his life. And I was still a young man at that point in time. I probably was in my mid to late 20s when I asked him this question. I had so much still to live for. I still do. I didn't know all that was going to transpire in my life or where I would be at this point in time, but I knew God had a plan for me, and and, and my wife and I were still excited about the things that we could look forward to as a couple, and and so for me, for me, death death looked sort of like an enemy. I assumed that everybody felt that way. My grandfather and I were having a pretty frank conversation as we were driving, and I asked him the question. I said, Grandpa, I said, are you afraid to die? I said, what, is, what goes through your mind when you think about that? You're, you're in your you know, mid-70s. What, what, what thoughts enter into your mind when you think about your death? And I'll never forget, he got a smile on his face. I didn't expect a smile, but he had one. And he said, I'm not afraid to die. In fact, he said, you get to be my age. And he said, you begin to look forward to it. Now, he wasn't in a hurry to go. But you know what he was saying? I think he was telling me, he said, I'm satisfied. I've done everything that I possibly wanted to do. I've lived my life in a way in which I've tried to be faithful. Not perfect, but I have no regrets. I think what he was saying was what the Bible says about Abraham. Though my grandfather didn't live to be 175 like Abraham did, he lived to be a good old age. And when he died, he was full of years. In other words, he was satisfied with the years that he'd been given. That's a beautiful way to go, isn't it? He was full. He was full of years. That that may not be God's plan for everyone. Sometimes God chooses to take some earlier than he takes others. 
We never know as to what God is thinking or what God is doing. We, we comfort ourselves with the reminder that, that God's ways are not our ways. And His thoughts are not our thoughts. And that's how we pillow our head every night, just trusting God. Lord, I don't understand why maybe you took this person or why you allowed this person to live to be a certain age. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But we leave it in God's hands. We trust Him. Abraham was full of years. But notice, secondly, I love this. He was full of confidence in his eternal destiny. Would you look with me in verse number eight? The Bible says, Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a gold old age, an old man full of years and was gathered to his people. That last phrase, gathered to his people, is so important. You see, my grandfather was not afraid of death because he knew where he was going. Remember we said, Warren Wearsby, the quote that he gave, he said, many people, when they look ahead, it is with fear. Fear. Why? Because they don't know where they're going. They don't know what the future holds. They fear. They fear that their time of judgment. I've lived, I've lived for myself all of these years. Surely, surely, there is a day of reckoning that is coming. We try to dismiss these thoughts with all that we have. I love the... I love the story that I read this week. A few days before his death, Dr. F.B. Meyer wrote a very dear friend these words. He said, I have just heard to my great surprise that I have but a few days to live. It may be that before this reaches you, I shall have entered the palace. Here were his final words. Don't trouble to write. We shall meet in the morning. What a way to go. What confidence in his eternal destiny. When Abraham gave up the ghost and died, the Bible tells us that he was gathered to his people. Since he was only buried in this cave with his wife, Sarah, this must speak of something different because it's used in a plural form here. His people. More than just one. That he went, he went to where his people were. What is the Bible talking about? I believe this is a reference to his eternal destiny. I remind you that there is a wonderful place that God has prepared for people of faith on the other side of this life. A great and grand reunion is coming for people of faith. I'm looking forward to being gathered together someday with my people. My grandfather, who I've talked about this morning, my other grandparents on my mom's side, and, and a host of others, many of them perhaps your family members that we have said goodbye to, that'll be some of the first that we'll want to see when we arrive on the other side, when we are gathered to our people. I'm looking forward to that day. There is a place, the Bible says, for people of faith. But there's also a place for unbelievers. Which people are yours? And which of those places? I and they're gathered together with the people of unbelief. And we spend, listen, we spend all of eternity in one of those two places. Which people are yours? Which place are you going? Are you going to that place that God has prepared for people of faith? like Abraham did? Or are you going to that place that God has prepared, not for unbelievers necessarily, the Bible tells us that he prepared it for the devil and his angels. It's because people choose, choose not to believe in God that they have to spend eternity there. Where are you going? I know when I die that heaven will be my home. I, I don't assume this based on my own merits or works. I know myself better than anybody in here knows me. And I can assure you, I'm not going there because I'm a good person. No, I'm a, 
sinner just like everyone else. I know I'm going to be with the Lord, and I know that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven because like Abraham, I have believed God by faith. The Bible teaches that Christ Jesus, the sinless Son of God came into this world. He lived a sinless life, and yet he died on an old rugged cross as a criminal. Listen, I remind you, he did not die for his own crimes. He died for mine. He died for yours. He died for our sin. He was buried, the Bible says, for three days, but he rose again. And the Bible is clear that faith in him is what saves a soul and secures a home for them in heaven. The Bible says in John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the son shall not see life but the wrath of god abideth on him john fourteen six, i am the way the truth and the life as brother ron quoted at the beginning of the service no man cometh unto the father no one goes listen no one goes to that place that god has prepared for people of faith but by him but by me the bible says in first john 5 11 and 12 and this is the record this is the record that god hath given to us eternal life And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Abraham was confident. He was full of confidence in his eternal destiny. And so am I. So are many of you. And all of you could be today. You could leave this place here with a song in your heart and with joy in your lips for the rest of your days, knowing, knowing that when it's your time to go, and all of us have a time to go, when it is, you know where you're going. A beautiful place that God has prepared on the other side for people of faith. But notice lastly and finally, he was fully surrounded by his family. Would you look in verse number nine? This is beautiful. And his sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah. In the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, which is before Mamre. I don't know about you, but there's, to me there's something special about Ishmael and Isaac working together on this. It's beautiful, isn't it? Abraham died surrounded by his family. You know the story. We've been walking this journey several months now, and we've seen the conflict and the contention between Ishmael and Isaac. And we know, we know that this is not necessarily going to end, and that there's more than just a physical war that is being waged here, but there's a spiritual understanding that is happening here as well. But I think it's something, I think it's something that Ishmael and Isaac came together in these final days, perhaps one on the right hand and one on the left, holding their daddy's hand, perhaps stroking his forehead, kissing him, hugging him, expressing their love and gratitude to him for all that he had done for them. Abraham died surrounded by his family, a goal that most of us have in mind. Well, things had not always been smooth in this home, and there were certainly some heartaches and regrets, it is significant to note that Ishmael is involved in his father's burial. I wondered, I wonder what brought Ishmael back home. Perhaps it was the gifts that Abraham had given to his sons, and they provoked a reconciliation, or maybe some other event took place allowing for this reunion. Again, the Bible doesn't tell us all of the circumstances that led to this, but we can assume that this reunion was a blessing to Abraham as he concluded his final chapter. Each of us are on a collision course with death. There's not a thing that we can do to stop it. The final days of your life before you die will be your final chapter. Some of you are writing it right now, and some of you know it. 
Some of you are writing it right now and you have no idea. You assume you have many, many more chapters left to write. What will be written then? Will likely reflect, listen, will likely reflect choices and decisions that you are making right in this moment. There's no beautiful ending. There is no beautiful ending without a beginning. Abraham's final chapter is inspiring because of his faith. At a point in his life, Abraham began to follow God by faith. And that allowed, listen, that allowed for a man at 175 years to die full, full of years, satisfied with his years, knowing where he's going, surrounded by his family. Listen, some of you need to begin, some of you need to begin your journey of faith today. Some of you need to be saved. You need to look to the Lord, repent of your sin, and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You may say, I, 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 I think I am saved, but I still feel an emptiness. You need to begin your journey of faith once again today. You don't need to be saved again, but you need to get right with the Lord today, and you need to do business with God today. There is no beautiful ending without faithful obedience. Listen, we aren't born with faith. We begin a life of faith by choosing to do so. And if you're here today and have not yet begun your faith journey, this is where you should start. Many of you have begun your faith journey, and that's good. Some of you have been distracted from truly following the Lord. The world is full of distractions. Abraham's final chapter of fruitfulness, faithfulness, and dying full, dying satisfied, reminds us, listen, reminds us, stay in the race till the finish line. Some of you, you've been allured out of the race by some attractive thing on the side of the road. Get away from that. Get back in the race and finish strong for the glory of God. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.